0: Our bottom line for today is this, our God loves holiness. Hear that again. Our God loves holiness. The holiness of his church, the holiness of his people. He loves when his people pursue his holiness. As we approach Haggai, think of our larger context and try to ask this question, answer this question. Why does God, why is a prophet raised up? Why does God raise up a prophet in the midst of his people over and over and over again? The reason God raises up a prophet is because he desires the holiness of his people. Hi and welcome back, Live in the Light listeners. Taking time out of your day to join us, it's a big deal. We know that, and we want to say thank you for being here today and joining us for what is our deep dive into the Old Testament book of Haggai. He's a prophet. He's the voice of God to God's people. They've just gotten back to the promised land from exile, but there are problems. Pastor Robbie, our teacher, is here with me today. And Robbie, one of the problems that Haggai speaks out against is a pollution of sorts. Yeah, this is a really unique text. I mean, it's one of those texts, that I remember you have to kind of read and reread and try to understand like, what is happening? I love I love God's word so much, but you know, God's word wasn't written in, in a sense for us just to get it always in the first try. Like it's, it's meant to be worked at, meant to be studied. And this is one of these texts today. So I hope that will pique your curiosity. I hope you will be willing to listen and study yourself gain what he has. But at the end of the day, the whole bottom line for this passage is the Lord wants the purity of our worship. It's amazing how much holiness, how important holiness is to God. And Craig, I think you agree, like in our day, um, holiness in many ways is a lost art, right? Like um, we're taking the Lord at times so casually. We are missing out on the massive amount of imperatives all throughout scripture based on the grace and the gospel that we are to then, because of what he's done for us, we are to become more like Jesus Christ. I mean, that's that's the call of our lives. And Haggai is going to kind of give us a preview from the Old Testament of how much this matters to the Lord. So, so bottom line is really question is this day, is our worship pure or is our worship impure? Is our worship pursuing purity? Is our worship polluted and is it defiled? Well, the answer to that question is a very, very big deal to God. And so we pray we will lean in a little bit and we will say with vulnerability and transparency and maybe appropriately with repentance and say, Lord, my, my worship needs to be more pure. So excited for what Haggai has to say to us today. Awesome. All right. Well, let's dive right in. Haggai chapter 2. We're at verse 10 with a message entitled, Pollution or Purity? Please open your Bibles to Haggai chapter 2. And as you're doing that, Haggai chapter 2, if you're visiting, you can hopefully find that in the table of contents of someone beside you. One of the last books in the Old Testament. Here's our sermon title today. It's this. Ready? Pollution or Purity? Pollution or Purity? That's a question. Pollution or purity? If you were asked that question, would you rather have a life of pollution or purity? The answer is obvious, isn't it? The answer is obvious. Well, obviously I want purity. But here, listen, listen carefully. The human heart so often says otherwise. The human heart given the chance of purity in Christ or pollution of the world, it's incredible and astounding how often the human heart will choose pollution and the world over purity in Christ. Let me just say this, man. How often hearts in this room will also choose pollution over purity. Yeah, we'll say the right things, but we go and live a life that is in the opposite direction. God speaks to us about that today. God addresses us in love today. Our bottom line for today is this. Our God loves holiness. Hear that again. Our God loves holiness. The holiness of his church, the holiness of his people. He loves when his people pursue his holiness. As we approach Haggai, think of our larger context and try to ask this question, answer this question. Why does God, why is a prophet raised up? Why does God raise up a prophet in the midst of his people over and over and over again? The reason God raises up a prophet is because he desires the holiness of his people. He raises up a prophet to come in and call his people to holiness. Think, why has God designed and set up his church with the primacy, the central thing we do, is the preaching of God's word? Why has it been that way since the church began? Why has God designed it? Because in the end, it's the holiness of his people that comes through the proclamation and the preaching and the obedience to his word. You cannot be saved apart from hearing the word of Christ. And salvation occurs from preaching and then sanctification must occur as well if salvation is real. That comes through the primacy of the preaching of God and those who are faithful to proclaim the glory and the goodness of God. This is why Jesus prayed in the greatest prayer ever prayed to his Father. Father, sanctify them. Make them holy. Set them apart, Father. Set them apart in your truth. And he says, for your word is truth. So here is Haggai raised up by God with a passion in his heart and a boldness on his lips. And the fourth sermon that Haggai gives He's asking the question to God's people. He's like, listen, is there pollution or is there purity in your midst? Let's just ask ourselves that question right now. As we walked in here today in all seriousness before God who sees all things, when you walked in here today, when I walked in here today, is our worship sincere or is it defiled? Is our worship sincere or have we come in defiled by the way we have lived the last several days? This is the heart of what God is going for with his people in Haggai chapter 2. And Haggai approaches them by asking the priests, the experts of the law, he asks them two questions. And he wants to ask the question as they give the answer, they will instruct themselves of what is right, and even what is wrong within their lives. Let's take a look at Haggai chapter two, verse 10. Work, Lord, work in our midst, work in our midst. Speak to your people, I beg you. On the 24th day of the ninth month, December 18th, 520 BC, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet. Here we go. Thus says the Lord of hosts, ask the priests about the law, If someone carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and touches with his fold bread or stew or wine or oil or any kind of food, does it become holy? And the priest knew the answer. They said, no. Then Haggai said, how about another question? If someone who is unclean by contact with a dead body touches any of these, does it become unclean? The priest, again, they answered, they knew the law. They said, it does become unclean. Here's the point right here. Then Haggai answered and said, so it is with this people and with this nation before me, declares the Lord. And listen to this. And so with every work of their hands and what they offer there is unclean. So I had to read and reread this passage probably 20 times this week to try to get some understanding of what exactly the clarity of what was happening. I mean, so often with God's word, it's simple, it's clear, and yet it does require hard work by God's design. But be sure of this, the priests in Haggai's day, they wouldn't need to be asked twice because of how familiar they were with the context of what Haggai was asking them. So we wanna be helped by the clarity of what's happening here, and we're gonna be helped by the clarity of point number one. Point number one is this, pollution leads to impurity. Pollution leads to impurity. If you look at verse 11, the Lord asked Haggai to ask them two questions again regarding their expertise. The first question deals with holiness. The second question deals with pollution or impurity. In verse 12 here, we learn that an animal flesh was made holy by the ritual sacrifices done by the priests. So what would happen is, if a portion of a sacrifice were carried by a priest in the fold of his robe, then his robe would be made holy by the contact of the holy flesh. However, what we learn here is holiness was not transferable beyond that. The meat touches the robe, but if the robe touches something else, that doesn't make those other things holy. That's the explanation in verse 12. Look at verse 12. If the garment touches bread, stew, wine, or oil, they do not become holy. What's the conclusion that God is saying through Haggai to God's people? It's this. Holiness is not ultimately transferable. But then look in verse 13. Another question is asked. A question about a person who comes in contact with a dead body. Does a person become defiled by touching a dead body? The answer in Levitical law is obvious. Yes. That person does become defiled. In fact, in Numbers 19, verse 22, it says, anyone who touches a dead body will be unclean. So some of us right now, we're a little confused. What's the point of all this? Where's the Lord going with this through Haggai? Here's the principle we want to get from God's word. And it's a principle, again, coming from this Old Testament passage. It's this, defilement or impurity is much more contagious than holiness. I'll say it again. Defilement or impurity is much more contagious than holiness. You can put it another way, theologically, theologically, the overarching point, holiness is not transferable. Listen, listen. Impurity is transferable. Think of it this way. A sick person does not become healthy by contact with a healthy person. However, a healthy person can become sick by coming in contact with a sick person. Or even more simply, put it this way. You can catch a cold, but you can't catch a healing. When's the last time someone came up and said, hey man, you look great. I was at home this week, I got healing from my kids in their class. No, that didn't happen, man. That didn't happen. Or moms will love this. When's the last time a clean carpet made dirty shoes clean? It's always dirty shoes making a clean carpet dirty. Get it? But what's the greater point the Lord is making now? It's found in verse 14. So it is with this people and with this nation before me, declares the Lord. And so it is with every work of their hands, what they offer there is unclean. Let me put this as simply as I can. The people are polluted and therefore their worship is polluted. They are impure. Notice in verse 14, with every work of their hands is unclean, meaning their sacrifices, meaning their temple work, meaning even their agricultural work is deemed unclean. Here's how one commentator, Michael Stead, he puts it this way, explaining and he says, there is no way unclean offerings offered in an unclean temple could cleanse an unclean people. Their hearts are impure, their worship is impure, their work is impure. There's so much application here. I want to point out a few points from this right now and they'll be on the screen for you. Number one, we learned this. Listen, holiness is not transferable. What do we mean by that? Your grandparents cannot save you. Your parents cannot save you. Your friends' faith cannot save you. Christian schools cannot save you. Baptism will not make you holy. Church membership cannot save you. The only person who can save us is Jesus Christ and his righteousness and his holiness. We can't do something and earn holiness by stuff that we do or attending something or showing up to church or whatever it might be. Holiness, we're not rubbing up close to someone else in our lives and holiness is transferred. That's not the way it works. Secondly, God cares deeply about pure hearts. He cares so deeply about pure hearts. Why, 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 right here, why? Because evil is contagious. Think of the example of in Joshua chapter seven of the sin of Achan. Achan sins and all of God's people suffer. And the phrase that has resulted from that biblical story is this, there's sin in the camp. There's sin in the camp. And when there's sin in the camp, all the people become defiled with the consequences of what's occurring within that sin. Think of how devastating that principle is for the church. Think of how devastating is that principle for the family. Think of how serious that is again, how God takes the holiness of his people as we come in and we say we're worshiping God, but at the very same time, our hearts and lives are totally defiled in blatant and grievous sin. The Holy Spirit cares about this so much. The people who dare to come to church with blatant sin covering their lives and they dare to receive the Lord's Supper as they profane communion because their lives. I'm not talking about sin you're broken over. I'm talking about you're sitting and you don't give a rip. And you're adulterous and you're profane and you are just living out this and You know is wrong before God and you dare to come in before a holy God and take his Lord, take his Supper before him. That is serious to the Lord. That cannot keep happening. Holiness matters to the Lord. You know, one of the great graces that the Holy Spirit could do for us today is to shine his light on the sin. To shine his light on the sin that contaminates this body right now here. To shine his light on the sin that contaminates marriages. And families, and some of you right now, you want to leave. You want to leave, and you can leave. But you will be missing out because God loves us so much, he doesn't let us stay within our sin. And the holiness of God is so important to him. This isn't about us gathering to make ourselves feel better about ourselves. This is us understanding we serve a holy God, and we are to love him with everything we have, and to see our lives in reality and sin for what it is. That's the message of the Bible. Our God is a consuming fire. He is not to be trifled with. He is awesome and gracious and loving and holy and so merciful in all these things. And one of the ways he proves that to us is by revealing to us that which must change because he won't let us stay in our sin day after day and week after week and month after month. One of the great graces the Holy Spirit could do for us as a church today is to shine his light on what sin exists right now in this church. Do it, Lord. Please, God, do it. In your loving kindness, lead us to repentance. You know, I think about the impurity within our lives. I, I think about the seasons we go through as a church. I, listen, I think about the casualness of our worship. I just think we stroll in and we got all these things happening. Our lives are so concerned about all these other areas. The casuals, God is one compartment among 25 in our lives. It's just true. It's just true for so many. It's true. He's just another, not, uh, another item to be checked off in our lives. We're filled with self-indulgence and self-obsession. And we walk in here, we're so casual, not even having a clue of how holy and awesome he is. God, we repent. I think of the arrogance of our idolatry. The arrogance. The arrogance of how we live our lives. We say one thing, we spout off our Christian knees, but the other side, man, our lives are totally living an opposite of what we say over here, what we do over here. It's arrogance. And it grieves the Lord. I consider the smugness in our offering. Smug. Building our palaces for ourselves, accumulating so much earthly treasure for ourselves. So concerned. The smugness, the the smugness in our wealth. So many of us are so proud in our wealth. We love our wealth more than Christ. We live for our wealth. We worship our wealth. We find security in our wealth. All our eggs are in the basket of our earthly wealth. At the same time, we say we love Christ. We don't when we do that. God says, because I love you, I lead you to repentance. Stop being so smug in your wealth. Proud people that we are, all of us. Pride in our prayerlessness. We don't pray. We don't pray at home. We We don't pray to God. We offer a little token here and there. What is that? The pride? Say it for what it is. The pride of our prayerlessness. God, we repent. This is why we. This is why we must guard our hearts. Proverbs four twenty three. Listen carefully. Proverbs four twenty three says, "Keep your heart with all vigilance. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Church with all vigilance. Why? For from it flow the springs of life. You see that? Guard your heart, because your heart is the spring, is the well of water that, that serves the community." If the well becomes polluted, the whole community becomes polluted. If the heart becomes polluted, the whole life becomes polluted. What social media platform is desecrating your heart right now? What social media platform is desecrating your heart right now? What relationship is defiling your heart? Like right now, what relationship that you are currently in is defiling your heart before God? What habit is destroying your heart? What hobby is distracting your heart? What deception is damaging your heart? Just make no mistake about it today. Lord help us. Make no mistake about it. God is so gracious, unspeakably gracious, unlimited in grace. Listen, but make no mistake about it. Sin is serious. Sin is serious. You say, well, this is like, this is old covenant Haggai 2 stuff under the law. Well, let's go to the New Testament for a second. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. This is for new covenant believers right now. Let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. I name the name of the Lord. I live in sin. Mm, that's not good. There's something seriously wrong with that. I name the name of the Lord. I come to a church. I do my thing, but I'm living a totally different life and I'm loving my sin. That is not, that is not compatible with a true Christ follower. We name Christ, we depart from iniquity. And notice the outcome. Therefore, if anyone, look at, look at how much this relies to Haggai right here. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use. Cleanses himself in repentance to the Lord to be cleansed of sin and seeking the holiness of God with his or her life. And then when they are cleansed, they are set apart. They are useful to the master of the house. They are ready for good works. They are ready to be useful to the Lord. When we fail to cleanse ourselves, we are dishonorable. We are not ready. We are not useful. We are not set apart wholly to God. God loves holiness so much. We must cleanse ourselves. We must cleanse ourselves. What have we brought in with us today? Like here right now, what have we brought in with us today. Some of us have brought in deep, sinful anger. We're so angry. We've hurt others. Some of us right now, right now in this place, we have brought in with us adultery. Adultery exists right now here. In Jesus' name, repent. Repent before a holy God, that he might shine his light in every aspect of our lives. Others have brought in here today addiction, addiction that is killing us, addiction that is leading us astray, addiction that is overcoming our desires and affections and ruining our love for Christ. Please let us admit that a lot of us have brought in today apathy. Apathy. You know what? Obviously, I'm taking this seriously. Obviously, God's been working in my heart. Obviously, there's been a longing and a desire for the Lord to reveal. I'm saying, God, show me my sin, Lord. Show me my sin. I want to see it. I don't see it clearly enough right now. God, show me. Show me what I need to see. I'm not afraid of that. In fact, I love it. I don't feel condemned at all. I don't, this message right now, I mean, if you're feeling condemnation, that's not of the Holy Spirit. I want to feel conviction. The more conviction I feel, the more loved I feel by Christ. This is so important and so necessary. I think one of the overarching sins of this church right now, and I will speak prophetically, and you can decide whether you believe it's right or wrong. you got to test everything that's said. But I believe across this church right now, one of the main sins that we face as a body is we have not loved God with our whole hearts. He is one of many things, as we said. I really believe that. We have said the right things. We nod our heads. We play the game, but we have not loved God with our whole hearts. And the greatest commandment in the Bible is to love God with all our hearts. So God, on behalf of whatever I am right here, we, we repent. Repent of that, Lord, in my life. Figure out how to play the game in such a way I can put the right pieces in the right places to satisfy the people around me and he try to satisfy you. Yet all the while I'm playing a game, you know very well what's going on. It's so easy to settle for six and a half out of 10. So, most of the church is doing it. Hardly anyone's gonna challenge you in this. Hardly any movement of God right now is gonna walk around and try to speak and let your sin be. Or they wanna just make yourself feel better wherever you are. Hardly anyone's gonna be doing this. It's so easy to settle. So, I feel it every day to you. I feel it every day. But the Lord wants more of us because the Lord loves us. Because the Lord loves us. Pollution leads to impurity. And secondly, contamination leads to consequences. Look at verse 15 now. Now then consider from this day onward. Look what the Lord's doing now. He's like, I want you to pay attention here. Before stone was placed upon stone in the temple, before the work of the temple restarted, listen to what he says. He says, how did you do? How did you fare? How did, how did it make out with you? He says, when one came to a heap of 20 measures, there were but 10. You got 50% return on what you were expecting. When one came to the wine vat to draw 50 measures, there were about 20. You got 40% of what you were expecting to get. And why was that? Look at verse 17. I struck you. I struck you. And all the products of your toil and blight with mildew and with hail. And notice God's heart here. Yet you did not turn to me. See what God wants there? You did not turn to me, declares the Lord. This is fascinating. Consider, consider from this day onward. You know what God's saying right there? He's like this, don't don't miss the lesson right now. Pick up what the Holy Spirit's putting down. Live differently in light of what you're learning here. Proverbs 4, 7, the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Like right now, get wisdom. God's giving us wisdom. He's showing us what we need. Do not hear it and just disregard. Don't do that. God's speaking so powerfully this weekend. Don't be a fool. Receive it from God himself. The question is asked, how did it go before the temple work restarted again? How did it go with your farming? How did it go with your production? How did it go with your returns? And the answer was, it didn't go well at all. It was bad. The examples of the returns again, 50% and 40%. And notice why this happened. It wasn't because of bad farming techniques. It wasn't because of human mismanagement. It wasn't because of poor stock market timing. It wasn't because of bad luck. It was because the Lord had struck them with covenant curses. Do you see the mention of blight and mildew in these verses? That's a direct quote from Deuteronomy 28. This is part of the promised curses due to disobedience upon God's people. And listen, what do we know about the promised curses of disobedience? They were designed by God to cause his people to return to him. That's why in verse 17, yet you did not turn. You did not repent to me, declares the Lord. Quick application here. Notice this. God's discipline doesn't guarantee that hearts will return. God's discipline is designed even today that we would return to him, but it doesn't guarantee that hearts will return to him. Over the years of ministry, I have seen with a sorrow-filled heart, and a holy frustration and holy anger at times and with a tremendous and I have seen stubborn hearts fight against the discipline of God again and again and again and again they will not bow their head they will not bow their knee they will not give in they will fight and they will fight and they will fight and they will fight against the will of God upon their lives I'll tell you be very 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 careful proverbs 29 verse 1 look at he who is often reproved Yet stiffens his neck will suddenly be broken beyond healing. The obstinance, the, the stiffened neck, the heart of stone. Who's here right now? I, who's here right now? You have resisted and resisted and resisted and hardened your heart and been so stubborn and obstinate and rebellious over and over and over again. The issue is standing before you as clear as day right now. The situation you need to repent of is right there in front of you and the choice again. And the Lord is pressing in with love and grace and gentleness and the promise of forgiveness. But it must require our part to say, God, I have sinned against you. I beg you, do not resist the Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening to Live in the Light today. If you'd like to hear this message again or any messages in this series, visit us online at liveinthelight.ca. Live in the Light exists to see radical transformation in God's people through the revelation of God's truth. We believe that through the faithful and passionate preaching of God's Word, disciples will be made and the church will be strengthened. Our prayer is as people are impacted by Live in the Light, they will be renewed in mind, reinforced in faith, and resolved in will to live in Jesus Christ. That's all for today. Join us next time at Live in the Light.